We welcome in Dave Amber from Hockey Night in Canada. Uh, good morning, Dave. Uh, thanks for jumping on again. How are you? Things shaking out in the in the big smoke and the mighty TO. Oh my God! How do I even follow <laughs> up know. on that? I don't know. Goodness. I didn't know where you're going there. <laughs> I, I was liking the playlist. I was. I wanted you to play the whole song. I love the, the Chili Peppers too. And then things went south. Oh, uh, you know, Dave. That's a. It's a new liner, as we call them in the business, as you know. It's the first time that we uh, had it for today, and it's. I think it's going to catch on. So uh, you're. I mean, you're going to stick. Yeah, you. You're <laughs> ready to rock and roll with it. And and uh, as I always say to you, Dave, whenever you come on, I go, "How was your workout this morning?" Morning. Uh, what was the rep situation like? Well, I'm I'm an afternoon workout guy, oh. but uh, it'll be it'll be. I hope it'll be okay later today. We'll see. Just, you- uh- Taking it slow. Oh, attaboy. Because we, we, we have Eddie Steele on as our co-host uh, on Fridays from 7 to 9. I thought of you when I saw the picture that he posted yesterday. He had the Grey Cup. Almondo Seawall took the Grey Cup to his house yesterday, and Eddie posted a picture on his uh, Twitter account with his big right gun holding the cup out, and it looked like uh, that Eddie had gone about, I don't know, an hour on curls for uh, just to get ready for that photo op. <laughs> <laughs> That's not me, man. I have a torn tendon in my wrist right now, so oh. it's slowing me down a little bit. But uh, I'm still still trying to stay in shape as best possible. Well, you got to get ready for golf season then as well. That that's got to be a hindrance or what? Well, I finally have an excuse of why I'm such a bad golfer. I can just blame it on the tendon because I'm. You've golfed with me before. Mm-hmm. It's not a pleasant thing. I I can't putt to save my life, and and my drives an adventure uh, off the tee. I don't know where the hell it's going. I have this crazy. I'm a lefty, and I have this mm-hmm. crazy like banana slice um but my iron game's okay that's the only thing that saves me yeah we being a lefty too we would share clubs when we golf together I remember hitting each other's uh, driver and stuff like that and just as, how about this i was talking to ryan rashog the other night dave about uh, when you guys are playing he threw you absolutely under the bus saying that you always want to get games going but as soon as the game's going whatever that game might be all of a sudden the game goes south that's what rashog said <laughs> I, I, I can't back up. Uh, I can talk a big game, but I can't walk a, a good game to back it up. That's for sure. Rashad's taking some money from me. That's that's no doubt. Yeah. Uh, those are always good times when the guys get together and have a have a little round uh, on the links for mm-hmm. sure. Uh, Dave, boy, the Toronto Maple Leafs are humming right along, and Austin Matthews is as well. So I guess for you guys, when you're covering the Leafs out there and everything's going well in Leafland and you see what Matthews is doing, you see what the Leafs are doing, uh, makes for uh, easy, easy content for you. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, we cover all the Canadian teams. Yes. I know. Yeah. The, thanks for Toronto, Toronto, Toronto. But uh, I'm watching the Canucks. I'm, I watched that Flames overtime last night. My God, that was one mm-hmm. of the best overtimes I've seen this season. Um, just back and forth. Boy, Markstrom was good. But yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, I, I think kind of like when the Oilers are struggling, you have more content when the team's doing poorly than when they're doing well. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's it, it's an interesting thing. You know, there were a few people, um, you know, I heard uh, Paul Bissonnette, uh, Nick Kiprios, Luke Gazdick. There was a number of analysts who said when Morgan Riley two Saturdays ago took that, um, took that, uh, the, uh, the high stick yeah. on Ridley Gregg, they said, this is going to be a good thing for the Leafs. This is going to kind of galvanize the team a little bit. And I'm not chalking all the success for the Leafs up on that, but it does seem like they're, you know, they were playing a bit more discipline and they're certainly playing with a bit more, um, bravado, you know, defending one another and standing up for mm-hmm. one another more than I'd seen previously this year. And that's not everything. I mean, they have a world-class 
you know, arguably the greatest goal scorer, you know, of this generation. I'll, you know, we'll consider Ovi the last generation and Austin Matthews, so that helps too. But, you know, Morgan Riley takes that penalty or takes that suspension and the team kind of came together in a way we hadn't seen previously previously this year and it's been a pretty interesting run to say the least i will say one thing too dave uh being out here watching both networks i can say this with 100 percent uh behind you know from from the bottom of my heart when i watch you guys you guys are speaking to canada when you talk about the leafs the three-letter network speaks just to leafs nation when they talk about the Leafs. So uh, that's a big compliment to you guys because I think you understand uh, what uh, your proximity, what your job is to speak as a network, a Canadian network, where you know what happens uh, with the other guys. So that's a compliment to you guys. I wanted to just say that. So um, Toronto plays in Colorado tomorrow, and then we'll get off the Leafs because we get texts all the time, Dave, that we don't want to – our listeners have had it with the Leafs already. But um, that game out tomorrow should be a real dandy. It should be a real doozy. Yeah, I think it'll be a good test for the Leafs. I know they went into Vegas and did a number last night on Vegas, and that was an impressive win. And, and honestly, it might have been their best. That first period was ridiculous, like four goals in the first 15 minutes. And it wasn't even Austin Matthews. It was all the lines contributing. Um, but that's no stone, no Eichel. That's a different animal. Uh, they're about to walk into Colorado, a team who has the best home record in the NHL. Um, that'll be a really big challenge as well. So, yeah, I think we're excited Saturday. I mean, listen, we got Battle of Alberta. Yeah. We've got, you know, Vancouver in another big game. And the Vancouver situation's gotten more and more interesting because mm-hmm. of, you know, the fact they've lost four in a row. In fact, something I threw out on a text chain with some buddies yesterday, I said, you know, don't sleep on the Oilers, mm-hmm. you know, in that Pacific division. I know they're sitting third, but... With all the games they have in hand and the fact that we've now seen a little bit of vulnerability with the Vancouver Canucks, maybe this is the opportunity for for Edmonton to think about taking over first in the Pacific. It would take a lot of work, but that should be their goal because I think you by any means want to avoid Vegas and want to avoid Vancouver in that first round. Hockey Night in Canada's David Amber with us on Sports 1440. Uh, You did touch on it about the Calgary-Boston overtime, and you know the Oilers-Boston overtime was pretty darn good the night before, so uh, to see two great overtimes in Alberta uh, back-to-back was was neat to watch. And we've been on that similar situation and that similar talk uh, here for a while, Dave, just talking about the, the fact that Vancouver, this is the first time that they'd have a little blip in the radar and Vegas now with Stone out little blip in the radar the Oilers have an opportunity here they got a lot of work to do a lot of things to climb but uh, do you really think that they could make a push for the Pacific Division title yeah 100% I you know listen Vancouver's in the driver's seat when you have a 10 point cushion at the end of February you would like to think you're going to hold that position. But they're finally feeling a little bit of adversity. They've had a couple of injuries, which is, you know, that third line was arguably next to Winnipeg's third line. I, I like that third line in uh, in Vancouver uh, with Dakota Joshua, um, Connor Garland, um, what they were doing. And, you know, now Joshua's out, and that's kind of changed the, the feel of that third line. So, um, honestly, I think... There's a, an opportunity here for the Oilers. At very least, you have to imagine that they're gunning hard for home ice advantage. Mm-hmm. If you're going to have to, if you're going to have to face 
conceivably Vegas in the first round, at least you want to be able to get 29 and 97 out when you can. You want to have that last matchup, that last change uh, for four of the seven games potentially. But I also do think very much um, that Edmonton is is right there Mm -hmm. with the opportunity. I think you used the right word, Kevin. Like it's an opportunity for them if they can – run the table on these games that they have in hand. They will be tied with the Vancouver Canucks. It's asking a lot, but it's not out of the realm of possibility from a team we saw win 16 in a row earlier this year. Dave, this is probably going to be the last time we talk to you before the trade deadline coming up here, mm-hmm. and it's sneaking up really fast, and you know teams are still jockeying. Uh, do you see Calgary as that team that once they decide what they're going to do with Tanev and what they're going to do with Hannafin, then I guess the other kind of chips fall moving forward? Yeah, two weeks today, uh, Craig Conroy, you know, the greatest resource he has is time. Um, But the time is getting less and less. He's now down to two weeks. They are not going to have a Johnny Gaudreau situation take place again. They're not just going to lose Tanev and Hannafin for nothing. That being said, they're trying to figure out what the best offer is. And what helps them is, you know, on any given night, teams like Seattle win and stay in the hunt. Uh, Other teams stay in the hunt and still are feeling the playoff possibilities there. Uh, They want to keep as big and as vast a marketplace available as possible. But if it doesn't look like Hannafin and Tanev are going to sign long-term, these guys are going to be gone. And, And I think you're very much correct. That might be... You know, position A for a lot of Stanley Cup contenders is we want Tanev. We want Hannafin. And they're not going to move on the other possible blue liners out there until those guys are off the board. So Craig Conroy holds the first chips in a perfect world from our standpoint, knowing we have seven or eight hours of TV that day. I'd love Craig Conroy to hold this right up to the eighth. Please, I'm begging you, man. (laughs) Give us something. Because when they go and they deal, make these deals a week in advance and then the other dominoes fall, we're kind of sitting there and it's crickets for eight hours and that's never fun. But uh, I'm, I'm, I'm one, you know, you'd love to be a fly on the wall and you know that they're fielding all the offers and they're sitting there. And according to our insiders, who I trust the Elliot mm-hmm. Friedman's of the world, the Eric Francis of the world, you know, they're saying, uh, they want to get a first round pick for Tanev. And until they feel it's a viable first round pick and maybe the highest first round pick they can get, uh, they're not going to move him. And that might just be the starting point for Tanev. So I think it's about teams suddenly, you know, the Leafs complexion, you know, two weeks ago when, when they hadn't gone on the six-game winning streak as well, maybe they're not going to be buyers. Maybe they are going to stand pat. Mm-hmm. Maybe they are going to hold on to their first-round pick. Now that they've gone on this little run and there seems like there's a bit more potential there for, for something serious come, come springtime, maybe the Leafs will get that first-round pick in play. And, and maybe that's the, the chip that Calgary is ultimately waiting for is to, to get as big a loot as they can, and maybe that'll go all the way to the eighth before they can find that. Mm-hmm. Dave Amber with us uh, from Hockey Night in Canada on Sports 1440. How tough do you think it is, Dave, for GMs at this point of the year when your team is right on the bubble? You know, like we're talking like Jersey, the Islanders, Capitals out east, and then there's so many teams in the west that fit that bill, like Minnesota and, and Calgary and, and Nashville. For GMs to not kind of go, oh, man, we can sneak in, or should we kind of stay the course? Uh, How do they balance that, you think? That's a great question. I think some of it has to do with fans' expectations, uh, internal expectations, sometimes led by the ownership group, uh, dictates what they're going to do. And some of it has to be with the reality of what they see in their team. Uh, I talked to a GM not that long ago, and he said, look, there's there's five or six really good teams in the league. There's 20 teams, and he was including his own. He said, we're in the middle of the pack, but we're nothing special. And there's five or six pretty bad teams, which I think is a pretty accurate assessment of it. Uh, if you're in that messy middle of 20 teams, are you going to go there and maybe broker your, you know, sell off your future? 
um, to, to make a run that, that ultimately might not get you where you're wanting to go. You know, you, you brought up New Jersey, and to me, they're the most interesting one. Washington, I, I think, is in a different mm-hmm. – you know, Washington's got their championship. They're an older team. I look at them very differently. New York Islanders are a much older team. I'm not saying the expectations aren't there, but I think how they want to manage and maneuver. If you're the New Jersey Devils – and you got to sort of say, well, when is Jack Hughes going to be in his absolute prime with, you know, Jesper Bratt and everyone else? Like, when are we going to make a legit run for the cup? And are we giving up too much if it's for a rental? It's one thing to say we're going to trade for Hannafin and then sign him to a five-year, six-year deal. That's different. Mm-hmm. But if you're just going to trade for a, a two-month rental, then you better be sure that this is the window for you to win. The New Jersey Devils, is this their window to win right now? And that's why there's probably a bit more pressure on a team like the Maple Leafs. When you look and you have Austin Matthews in his prime, Mitch Marner in his prime, William Nylander in his prime, you look at at sort of the core of your group and say, this is kind of our window. Uh, Yeah, we might have to get rid of Easton Cowell. We might have to get rid of this player or that player. But we certainly, um, you know, we want to win now. And I'm sure all those conversations are taking place at the highest levels about understanding what the window to win is because the window shuts really quickly. Talk, talk to the San Jose Sharks, right, who were so close for all those years and just were never able to get past, you know, past that point to win a championship. And now, you know, they've, they've sort of sold off their future and it's, it's going to be bleak and it's going to be bleak there for a while. So you got to really kind of read the tea leaves and, and make the right moves according to where your team stands at at this time. One last one for you, David, just regarding the Ottawa Senators. And, I mean, you would have to say it's a, it's a disappointing season in Ottawa. I think expectations were, were much, much higher. Uh, how active do you think that Stevie Steos will be uh, in the next couple of weeks here? That's a really good question. You know, I, it's so – it's got to drive Senators fans nuts, right? Like, the team shows – as soon as the games aren't meaningful, the team shows its potential – they're the best second-half team over the last five years in the NHL, basically, or one of them. You know, they, they play to a playoff position from January on each of the last five years. It's mm-hmm. the first three months of the year where they bury themselves. So it's very frustrating. I, I imagine there could be some activity, but I'm not expecting a ton out of, of Ottawa. When you look at the seven Canadian teams, you know, Ottawa and Montreal, I think, are much going to be much less active. It might be just a little tweaking here and there, but nothing substantial from what I would understand. And I think it'll be much more active with the other five Canadian teams, certainly Calgary potentially as a big seller. And then Winnipeg, you know, no one, no one really talks much about the Jets. I yeah. certainly assume Edmonton's going to do something. In fact, there had been a lot of conversation that Gensel, Gensel, Gensel to Edmonton, and then obviously got hurt, and we'll see where that leaves it. But I, I certainly imagine Edmonton's going to do something. We all expect Toronto's going to do something. Vancouver, you know, never sleep on Jim Rutherford. He's always active, and, and he said the team has earned, you know, the opportunity. And granted, they did their shopping early with Lindholm and Zadorov, but there still might be another trick up their sleeves. And the Winnipeg Jets, I think you look at their team right now, the fact that Hellebuck and um, Shifley have signed, like part of those conversations before Shifley and Hellebuck signed were probably like, trust me, we're trying to build something here. We're not trying, we're not in rebuilding mode. I know Wheeler's gone. I know Dubois has gone, but we're not in rebuilding mode. And they've lived up to that with their performance so far this year. Wouldn't shock me if Kevin Shoveldayoff's also going to do something, nothing, you know, catastrophic, huge, but something where you go, okay, well, it's, it's an addition because they think they're a legitimate Stanley Cup contender this year. And I think they are as well. 
Well, it's going to be just an incredible day tomorrow. Well, we got tonight too is with three games, Dave, but uh, mm-hmm. incredible day tomorrow for you guys at Sportsnet Hockey Night in Canada. Wish you all the best. Uh, you know, with with Colorado and Toronto, that's that's a wicked first game, and then uh, the Battle of Alberta. Can't ask for much more on a Saturday, can you? Hey, Vancouver, Boston. Too. Yes, like, yeah, I forgot about that one. Yeah. Yeah, there's some Saturdays where you look at the matchups and you go, okay, yeah. it's not brilliant. Tomorrow's one of those days where you're like, all right, sit down. You might be, you know, shacked up in front of the TV for six, seven hours, but it'll be uh, entertaining to say the least. Yeah, I forgot about that one too. And that's an early, because I was thinking about the late, you know, that's a five, what is it, five, oh, seven Eastern out. Uh, so four o'clock Pacific time start, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Vancouver for which I know drives the fans a little yeah. bonkers. I kind of, you know what? It's funny. I look at it differently. I, like a four o'clock game is awesome. You go to the game mm-hmm. with your your friends, your buddies, your girlfriend, your wife, whatever, and then you go out to dinner after and yeah. have a night on the town. Like to me, it's perfect timing. Just rip her up like we used to do on Electric Avenue back in the day, right, Dave? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. <laughs> yeah. All right, uh, Dave. Thanks for this. Uh, have a enjoyable but busy, busy weekend. Uh, we'll talk soon. Take care, man. Thanks for having me on, Kevin. Enjoy the weekend.